Welcome to the Advisor Insight Podcast, where we provide informative, insightful content for financial planners and advisors to help you grow your business, your knowledge, and your client base. I'm your host, Andrew Sheena. So today we've got James Weatherall joining us. Hi, James. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Andrew. No problem. Good to see you. You too. James has been in the industry for 12 years, starting at IFG in 2008, before setting up his own practice, Weatherall's, in 2014. We're going to discuss an innovative method that James has been using to grow his business quickly and organically while maintaining the the ethos of his business. James, I know this is a a theme close to your heart, so I'm really excited to discuss how you've grown your business by taking on trainee advisors and planners. So when you started up on your own, did you already have the intention to take on trainees to grow your business? It all began really when I, I landed my first employed role. I was 25 trying to get into advice with a few years of, of professional sales behind me. And it was very difficult at that point getting into the profession. No one was really looking for training advisors or looking to hire. Right. It, was, it was quite a struggle to actually get my foot on the ladder in terms of getting into to financial advice. So when I set my business up, I was very keen. I'd already done work uh, at IFG, taking on interns yeah. and uh, doing some lecturing and mentoring on a voluntary basis at MMU Business School. And so it was always very, uh, a very clear objective that when I set my own business up uh, to put my money where my mouth is. So hiring uh, (laughs) training was always part of the plan. And uh, I think a lot of business, particularly when you're building your own business, is putting your money where your mouth is. You have these ideas and it's up to you to see if you can make them work uh, in a business setting, I guess. So yeah, grad trainees were always going to be a part of whether Excellent. I guess coming from how you started your career, it was obviously something that you'd always thought of. How did you go about taking on trainees? And were there any particular skills or backgrounds that you looked for? I was fortunate because of the work I've been doing with with the business school in Manchester to have quite a good eye on graduates and what their mindset was. And I found that using those links I had good reach into the economics grads, accounting and finance, banking and finance. That seemed to be the right sort of place for me. They did do a financial yeah. planning course for a short while, but I think it was quite, it wasn't heavily subscribed. That's an, an, another line of discussion as to why. <laughs> but um, uh, finding grads with those sort of disciplines, finance disciplines, economics, they seemed to have the right sort of course skills or at least numeracy and uh, understanding of economics and business, I think, to make a good a starting point as a training advisor. Okay. And do you think, because you, you touched on something there that's quite interesting, do you think graduates and those in their early 20s are aware of the profession? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like it's that common for, for young people coming out of university or, or that kind of age to be going into. Uh, absolutely not. And this is something we've got to do more of, uh, more as a profession to remedy is the, you think about law and accountancy, very old yeah. professional uh, vocations, and they are popular. Lots of undergrads want to study, lots of students want to study to be lawyers, to be accountants. Financial advisor, or latterly as we've developed into financial planners, is not something that is very commonly understood. It's not often yeah. flagged up as a potential career opportunity. And I find when I do the guest lectures at MMU, when I take on mentees, often they're in their second or even third year and many of them don't even know this is a career. It's something that's open to them. But I found that yeah. by doing that and telling them more about it, those that are perhaps a little bit unsure 
as they're approaching their uh, getting their exams and getting getting their degree are quite interested in this it's something that they've not heard of before and when you explain that it kind of includes elements of accountancy and financial planning and people skills that it can be quite appealing i think what i found mm. is there's quite a lot of people that do accounting and finance courses but actually come out of that deciding they don't want to be an accountant uh, and this seems <laughs> quite appealing to those, those type of people well yeah it does seem to obviously as a profession it's a bit more people focused and a bit more interactive and you're involved in people's lives a lot which can appeal for those people who are obviously numerically focused or investment focused but also want to have a bit more interaction with people and a bit more involvement yeah that's right and it's that it's that people element isn't it i think a lot of finance jobs can be a little bit you don't really see the end result of what you're doing necessarily if you're in asset management you can be a good asset manager by making money uh, and getting a return on investments but financial planning is where you're really hands-on you're seeing the results of your qualifications of your expertise what it's doing for those end for those people those clients how it's changing their lives and helping them get to where they want to be so i think those who have good interpersonal skills and want a career that's perhaps not just about the money and about the numbers it's quite a pain proposition but as a profession we've got to do more to raise awareness uh, and to bring more young people into this profession yeah absolutely i think i think you're absolutely right there I think I read only 18% of firms have a training scheme in place for new advisors. How did you go about bringing on training advisors uh, as a small and busy practice when obviously you've got a lot of responsibility, a lot under your ownership? How did you go about doing that? Uh, So something that I wanted from the beginning and that I found to be really important is having a structured development plan and having milestones. I think there are some firms that bring on training advisors and to them that means giving someone a financial administrator role and saying that they will support their qualifications and then maybe potentially possibly someday they might become an advisor and you see that quite a lot where actually there's not the structured progression and some of the people in these roles kind of lose they become a bit demotivated because they can't really see how they're going to ever get to that position so I wanted to create something structured and had clear time scales, clear milestones. And so I, I built it out in such a way so that they would pass or aim to pass three diploma qualifications in year one. So one exam per trimester and three in year two. With the third year then focusing on interpersonal skills, uh, advice delivery, presentations, culminating in them getting their competent advisor sign off and getting rubber stamped. Uh, there was a, I, I built a package whereby they would come in on 18,000 basic we would pay for their qualifications, we would pay for any revision days, study aids they needed. And for each exam they passed, they would get an uplift of £500 to their basic salary. So we're effectively saying, hey, we'll, we'll support your study, we'll pay for your exams, we'll pay for the revision and give you the support to help you pass them, and we'll give you more money once you've passed those exams. And that's what we quite effectively. And um, we also have a, a bonus scheme for all support staff in the business where they receive 10% of salary each year. And of course, there's a bit of encouragement there as well. So increase your basic, your bonus is based on your basic salary. So your overall remuneration starts to build. So that was the structure, get them thinking about exams, get them moving through exams fairly quickly. But I've seen other businesses where they've put a lot of pressure on, on trainees to get their exams in a, in a shorter time frame, And I've seen mm-hmm. people feel quite demoralized or a bit swamped by that. Uh, what is easy to forget as an advisor, I think, is that when you're working a full-time role, 
as yeah. training and learning the ropes and you've then got to go home and do four hours study every evening or, or <laughs> managing your time it's not easy it's a lot to ask of people so i think for me yeah. anyway three exams per year seems about right and most of my trainees have hit that or thereabouts if they've gone over a bit then that's that's fine so you found it's the right balance in terms of incentivizing them enough pushing them enough but not overloading them and too much pressure for them yeah, I think so. I think so. And the we do provide, I mean, there's a discretionary salary review each year anyway, like all other stuff. So if they're exceeding, if they're doing particularly well, they're taking on more responsibilities, then I'm happy to review their salary as well. So they're not just going to be on a two-year timeline to win in 21 yeah. which obviously isn't a great deal of money. And it's, it's trying to balance that recognition that they are coming in uh, from the bottom and, and learning the skills. So they yeah. can't expect to come in on a huge salary but also putting them in control of developing their own earnings. And I think that's also a good mindset to get people in if they're training to be a financial advisor in terms of, well, you, you, we are responsible for, for building our own client and building our earnings through successfully acquiring clients and building clients. It's, it's fascinating really, because you've put together a very structured framework for, for those trainees that you've brought in, which is, I guess, relatively rare in such a small company. Uh, to be able to offer that to people. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're on our third graduate trainee now. So we've mm. seen this. We've had time to implement this and see it run. My first yeah. trainee is now a fully qualified planner and very good. Fantastic. Uh, second has just got his diploma qualification. So that was a champagne moment. And my third is currently, she's passed four of her six exams. So it, we've refined it a bit along the way, but it seems to work well. I know there are some firms who mandate that their trainees get chartered before they advise. And of course, there, there are lots of different structures out there. I'm not saying that, that my way is necessarily the only way or the, or the best way. <laughs> I'm happy to share it as it's something that's worked for us as, as a firm. Yeah. And the, yeah, the third year that uh, we find is also quite crucial is, is then building up those communication skills and interpersonal skills, because that's what really makes you a successful planner, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I guess there's a lot of different facets to the, to the role that you've got to work on. And I guess from their perspective as well, they're seeing everything very much firsthand, working very closely with you rather than a huge company. So they get to see you know, on, on a day-to-day basis how you're dealing with people, how you're working with clients, and they get to, to bring that on board themselves as well. Definitely, definitely. It's a very close working relationship where you're, you're effectively shadowing the director of the business and also the lead advisor. Yeah. And I try to teach them commerciality as well as advice skills to make them, because I think again, good commerciality can support them as an advisor, make you more aware of what's going on around you. Uh, so yeah. I try to develop their, their overall skill set in other areas as well. Fantastic. On, on that front, many advice firms do find it hard to, to hire experienced advisors to fit into their models. But I'd also expect that some firms could probably perceive taking on a trainee might require a lot of time spent training or developing them, potentially for them to leave. What would you say to those firms who are considering it and having reservations like that? It's interesting. That that is one of the most common concerns, I think, from the principals I speak to that are thinking about this and taking this approach. One thing I've found over time is that if you hire the right person, and you have a skills gap for more junior uh, work task in your business, they can deliver value almost immediately. 
yeah. simple things like uh, I start them off. I, I want all of the people in my business to get to know my clients. Uh, and I want the clients to feel comfortable so that whenever they call into the office, whoever answers the phone can help them. So one of the first yeah. things I do is I get them to start booking review meetings. So they will run the diary system and they will book all of the review meetings for, for me and for the, the financial planner in the firm. It just gets them used to speaking to clients and building into personal yeah. skills. They can start preparing valuations, talking to providers, the real basics of financial administration that don't take a huge amount of experience to do. They take some training and getting used to, but if you if you're paying somebody an 18,000 basic as, a, as an absolute fresh recruit and they're learning these skills and they're taking these responsibilities off of other staff so they can focus on other things, actually then yeah. they're delivering value from the off. And I think if you have the right person uh, as their skill set develops and grows and they start moving into more senior financial admin, taking on power planning duties, I always like to think that if one of my trainees was to leave, I would have had value for what I've paid them up until that point. And they would have had yeah. value from being in this business and learning from me, having some of their qualifications paid for. So I think it's getting out of that mindset. Uh, mm. Certainly in terms of training, there is time that you need to devote to it. But uh, what I've found it as well is that by ha having a number of trainees, we've set up a system where I spent a lot of time developing Josh, our first trainee, and then yeah. he has gone on to help develop the other two as they've come through Ash and Letty. And so they create a system where actually your more experienced mentor, uh, graduate trainee starts to bring through the next person. And so as a, as a practice principal or a, an advisor, busy advisor, you can start to pass on the responsibility for passing on learning yeah. to them, uh, as it's all fresh in their minds. In terms of people leaving, I think that there's a risk of that for any business, isn't there? And I'm a of big course, fan yeah. of trying to, an, uh, trying to create an environment where people want to come to work, they enjoy being in work, they're well rewarded, they're part of a team. And we should try and incentivize people to stay in our businesses by making them a great place to work and giving people a structured development plan where they can see they can achieve their goals in such a business. I'm not a fan of trying to put landmines in people's way to stop them <laughs> leaving. And so can we retain our staff? We, I can only talk for where we're at as a business at the moment. We're just going into our seventh year. Uh, nobody has left us so far, but that's not to say that we you know, inevitably all businesses will lose staff when they say so perhaps at some point one of our trainees will decide they're better suited to go elsewhere. But I, I do feel that if we did lose anybody, uh, again, it's that, that value proposition. We've had great yeah. value from having a young, keen, professional person in our business, and hopefully they've had great value from us employing them and developing them. But obviously yeah. the goal is to keep everybody and keep growing the business and make it a great place to work. And I guess it's quite a limiting uh, approach to be thinking about what if people leave and you don't want to put too much time or effort into people because that's not a, a good way to grow your business and it's not a good way to develop your, your employees. No, that's right. We, we, I think a lot of advisors and, and financial planners, particularly those that are really focused on their clients, you speak to most of them and they love the job. They enjoy what they do. They want to be with their clients. They love solving problems. They love helping their clients and seeing their lives unfold. And a big part of what we do is not just training in a sense of training people to do tasks. It's trying to pass on our enthusiasm and our love for the matter. <laughs> so it does take energy. It does take time to train somebody. But if you're enjoying your work as a planner, then it's uh, often it's it's a delight, not a trial, to, to bring someone and train them and help them. Uh, see the real fulfillment that this role brings to us as plans. 
Yeah, because I'm sure that the passion that you have for the role and for helping your clients probably comes through to your trainees as well. Yeah, I like to think so. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I didn't want to put you on the spot to sort of blow your own trumpet there, but I'm sure, I'm sure it does. Uh, that's, uh, I, th I think it, it, it's it's hearing the way they talk to one another about client situations and things that as a business we've solved and helped clients with and hearing how enthusiastic they are for some of the solutions we've found or the good situations that have uh, we've delivered for clients. Yeah, it's really rewarding seeing them really enjoying the job. Yeah, fantastic. And it's a long way off because obviously you're still young, but are you more confident about the eventual succession plan of your business and your clients because of bringing through uh, younger generation of advisors and planners? Yeah, massively. It's a key part of my own succession plan, I suppose, and exit strategy. Uh, again, as planners, we're, I'm 37 now. I set my business up at 31. So, yeah, I have a few years ahead of me, I, I imagine, in terms of working <laughs> in my business. But it, we just as we do with our clients, we're planning, we're financially planning, we're looking to the future. So I'm thinking, what does my long-term future look like? And yeah. I think... A lot of us as advisors in the advice community, everybody looks to the consolidators as their exit plan. Okay, so yeah. maybe you sell out to someone like St. James Place, maybe you sell out to one of the big consolidators. Uh, that seems to be de rigueur. They're very hungry at the moment. They've got a lot of appetite. Yeah. Buying There's up. a lot going on right now, isn't there? Yeah, it's an active market. But everything is susceptible to market forces, isn't it? And just because it's an active market now, who's to say it will be in five years, 10 years? And Part of my financial planning with my clients, my business owner clients, is to get them to a point where they are not reliant on a capital event sale of their business to meet their mm. objectives. And I, I try to view things similarly in terms of my own plan. And this is where the, the graduates come in, is that I want them to be with me and, and to go the distance. I've got talented young people training to be planners, learning to do things in, with, with my philosophy and my approach. Not saying it's necessarily the only way or the right way, but it is it's how I've done business <laughs> and how I've had success and how I see things. Yeah. Uh, so by developing them and making them into successful planners in their own right, I then want to give them an opportunity to buy into the firm, some sort of discounted yeah. share position. So build their careers, build their earnings, make them financially secure in themselves because they're successful planners, and give them an opportunity if they want to go further to actually buy into the firm. For me personally, it means that I can, okay, perhaps achieve a little bit of capital at that point and de-risk myself yeah. a little bit. So I'm not fully continuing <laughs> on the future sale. I'm starting to, to release some of my shares at that point. And then I've got yeah. young, ambitious people who are going to be a driving force in that business as well. And then perhaps over time, there could be some sort of staged buy-in where they acquire more shares and I release myself from some of those shares. And so that's, that's an interesting... Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective on it because when we were first discussing having this uh, conversation around this topic, I had really focused on using this way to, to grow the business, but I didn't really think about it too much in terms of the advantages of actually succession planning for your business and for your, for your sort of timeline as well. So that's, that's actually a really interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, and for smaller businesses, I think... A lot of it's a lot of the small to medium businesses that have a really strong culture and are very values driven and are very client focused. And if you talk to a lot of the, the people that run these businesses and when they talk about retirement, if you want to max out and just make as much as you can, you go to a consolidator. But there's also a lot of people that don't like that model because their their goal is to receive a decent value for their business and it's their life's work. 
but actually the yeah. priority is making sure that their clients are looked after, yeah. that they don't sell them down the river, that they pass them on to a firm, to somebody that's really going to look after those clients. And if you think about that, it's quite hard to find another business that is a perfect partner, that's a match in that sense, and that can afford yeah. to have the appetite to, to acquire you. But actually, what better person than somebody that's worked in your firm for 10 or 15 years, that does things your way, that has your values, that uses your system, and that's the perfect person to pass your clients on to over time, isn't of course. it? Yeah, that's, a, that's another good perspective on it as well, because I, I've worked with, with you on a couple of clients in the past, and obviously it comes across how much diligence and care you've got to put into looking after those clients and helping them on their journey, wherever they, however far down that journey they are. And then when it comes to the time for you to sell up or for your business to move on, you don't want them to go to a stranger necessarily. You want them to have some, um, I guess, consistency and someone that is going to look after them in a very similar way that you have. Yeah, that's right. Con continuity, true continuity. Yeah, I think that was the word I was looking for. <laughs> a long-term exit plan for me, I think, again, like most of my peers, I, I love what I do and I, I love looking after clients. And actually, if I can gradually manage myself out of my own business, in a sense, uh, I teach them the skills, not just the planning skills, but the commerciality, so that as they buy into this business, they become directors, they, they start to become the driving forces for the business, they understand yeah. the concepts of running a business, if they want to perhaps just buy me out gradually and I continue as a chairman, light touch manager, uh, a, a sort of a custodian, shall we say, or the, the <laughs> care, uh, caretaker. Racing your my... cars a couple of days a week and popping well, in the office know, for yeah, a couple you know, of days a week. You love. Yeah, but, but if, I, if I could look after my sort of inner circle of, of 30 or 40 clients and be there as a bit of a guide to them to continue to help them steer the ship yeah. appropriately and gradually sell out over a period of time and my clients get continuity my, my as they are now my graduate trainees actually get rewarded for their dedication to the business by eventually owning that business yeah and it just feels like a nice way of doing it where if it works well then hopefully everybody would win from that yeah fantastic and another angle that i guess might work as well i read that like 69 of firms reported that they didn't have a single advisor under the age of 30 which which i can absolutely believe do you think that growing your business with younger advisors will help your business understand and appeal to, to younger clients yeah i i think it i think it does and this is one of the biggest challenges facing our profession at the moment is the intergenerational wealth transfer yeah, we all know that baby boomers are holding all the money aren't they and the, it's the subsequent generations that handover of wealth it's going to be hugely meaningful because the, the generation inheriting that money aren't necessarily going to want to work with mum and dad's advisor. Yeah. They have other objectives. They're probably going to be more interested in technology and different approaches. And so actually the sort of people that would resonate with them will probably be people around their sort of age group. And so I think having, having those younger advisors means that they can start building relationships with the children of our clients at a fairly early stage. We're at the moment, yeah. we're trying to do more in terms of engaging uh, clients' children in their 20s and 30s to provide some education, some financial education, relationship building there. And that's a great place for our younger trainees to be operating. And I think there's yeah, more opportunity there. And hopefully, yeah, they, the younger generations would be more interested in somebody in their sort of age group than, uh, than perhaps an older advisor that they, they can't relate to so easily. 
Mm. Well, I guess it's great for the industry as well, because I think the average age of advisors now is 55. So it helps bring new, new, new blood in and bridge the advice gap. I think uh, the, the statistic I read was that 15,000 of a current total of 26,000 advisors are expected to leave the profession in the next five to 10 years. So this is a really effective way of bringing new blood into the industry as well as developing your firm. In, where, where do you see the industry going with regards to bringing in new blood? Because I know that you've put together a very structured framework for your own business, but what do you think the industry needs to do in order to bring in new people, develop new people? I think we're in, we're potentially in trouble. Uh, when I came into the profession in 2008, I yeah. used an article taken from CityWire talking about a ticking time bomb in the advice profession and the fact that there was no young blood coming in and that the average advisor was in their mid to late 50s. Fast forward yeah. 12 years from now, uh, I've gone from knocking on the door to try and get in to running my own business and the stats are still the same. There's still a, a young advisor recruitment crisis. Uh, the time bomb is still ticking. We've still got a massive shortage of new people coming through. And when I do the lectures at university, I actually talk to the, the graduates, the undergrads, about this being a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity because in yeah. 10 years, half of the, pro the, the profession will be retiring just at the point where these guys and girls will be coming into the prime of their careers. So the, the competition will just melt away in a sense. There's going to be lots of clients that are going to need advice. There's going to be a shortage of advisors to give it, which means it's it's good time. Market forces means it's probably good time to be a, a good financial planner. Your skills will be in demand. I, I think it brings a challenge as well that with such an advisor shortage, those of us who are recruiting and developing these grads, um, it, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to want to acquire these people five or ten years from now. They're going to be hot property. Yeah. So we've got. To oh, yeah, I guess there is that too. It's um, there's an opportunity for uh, for the advisors, but obviously a, not a challenge because it's not a negative, but it just uh, keeps you on your toes in terms of how you develop them and how you create the business model around. But it sounds like you've done that very well to make sure they're kept incentivized, kept motivated. Do you think it's it's challenged you and developed you as a as how you manage people and how you run the business? Yeah, massively, massively. I know it's. No one should underestimate the, uh, the energy, I suppose, that you need to put into managing and developing people. And uh, when you are busy in a business, running a business, lots of clients to look after, you have to sometimes just reset yourself and remember that you need to constantly be funneling, funneling energy into uh, your trainees. So, yeah, yeah. It's, quite, it's quite tiring, I think, sometimes in terms of managing that. But... I, I never begrudge it. I mean, I, I enjoy putting energy into them uh, and trying to develop them in that way. Fantastic. And, and so what's the size of your business now in terms of uh, the, the advisors and the staff that you have? Uh, so we're still a small business. We're predominantly, um, it's predominantly a business where the operations are dealt with by my trainees. I mean, Josh now is a qualified planner. He's been through the process. So he's starting to look after and take on his own clients. Ash has been That's working brilliant. with planner and is yeah. now moving into advice. He's got his diploma in financial planning. He'll be going for his competent advisor sign-off soon. Letty is a fully-fledged financial administrator and brilliant at that side, running that side of the business, and will be growing into power planning. 
I'm on the hunt now to find an administrator to take some of Lassie's duties from her so she can then move up to power planning. Ash will be bringing her through and passing on his knowledge, whilst Josh and I will be mentoring Ash and helping him build his advisor skills. And I've got Delphine, my amazing PA, come office manager, who's been with me since the very beginning. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember, who, yeah. Without whom I would be completely lost. <laughs> and deals with a lot of the yeah the office management and accounts and HR type stuff for me. So that we're we're a team of five at the moment, soon to become a team of six. We have around ninety uh, private clients that we look after. That's considering one household as a, a single private client. So about ninety households and two quite large group personal pensions, and a number then of trusts that we look after. Uh, assets, I think at the moment, about 55 million. So we're only a small a small firm in the grand scheme of things, but we are growing as time goes by. Excellent. And what would you say, so for, for other advisory firms who, or indeed other advisors themselves, who might be listening to this and are attracted to this route to, to grow their business and develop all of the things that we, we've spoken about, what would you recommend to them or what would you advise them in terms of how to go about bringing on bringing or finding trainees and how to go about bringing them into the business? I think local universities are actually a really good place to look. They will have a jobs board and it will usually be free to advertise a position. You'll yeah. get, if you want somebody who is really you know, fresh faced and has no uh, preconceptions, you can find often find talented people there looking at the right parts of the university. Like we said before, I look for economics grads, uh, banking and finance, accounting and finance. So I think that's a really good place to to look for candidates. Actually, is your local university and those in a discipline. I also wouldn't count out uh, or rule out recruiters, as I think more and more now. Yep. I, I encourage some of the mentees that I take on to try and build relationships with recruiters, because recruiters won't be falling over themselves necessarily to place lots of junior highs. Obviously, they want to place a guy. <laughs> Yeah, that's you true. Have relationships with these firms, good recruiters have long-standing relationships with firms, and that okay, that that advice principal might be recruiting for an advisor or a power planner, but if if they might be talking about their development plans and that they're looking for a grad, and suddenly that recruiter might be able to put put them together, and okay, that'd be a fee to pay, but you're paying a relatively small fee because it's on a relatively small salary. So I, I wouldn't rule yeah. out either. We we don't have a dedicated careers page per se on our website but i've a lot of uh, grads do get in touch with us through our inquiries mailbox okay. Part of that is probably because i'm i do i am known as somebody who is very friendly and, and, <laughs> mental and helps people but uh, it's not just me i think a lot a, a number of my advisor peers in manchester say they do get approaches so i think yeah speak to your local university look for their jobs board speak to your recruiter contacts and be open to people, to young people that add you on LinkedIn and want to go for a cup of coffee or whatever it might be. Okay, that's interesting. And was there, I think, did you mention that you were putting together something for potential graduates or uh, something more structured for people in the local community who might want to go into it? Well, I'm always bubbling away with ideas and what more I can do. <laughs> the problem is because it's all voluntary, it's quite hard sometimes to find the time. Well, yeah, one project imagine. I have been working on well, has been developing a, an advisor, a young advisor recruitment guide. And this was first done. We're, we're a member of Sense Network. And with Phil Young's help, uh, he drafted a copyright to come in and, and 
interview me and, and talk about some of the process we've got in our business and then start to write up the, the foundations of a sort of off-the-shelf advisor recruitment guide, uh, which which Phil and I have then sort of edited. Yep. And that, that has gone out to the Sense membership, to AR firms, about 150 members in Sense. And it's designed, I, I originally conceived it because there must be lots of small to medium businesses who haven't done this before and who might have an interest. Yeah. It's quite daunting if you don't know where to start. And it wasn't, of course. it was never intended to be the definitive guide to young advisors. <laughs> different ways of doing things, of course. But it was, there, there's no agenda to it other than I want to see more good young people come into the profession and I want to see more of my peers enjoying success, enjoying uh, recruiting young people. So this was a way, hopefully, of just helping uh, other businesses, other small to medium businesses get started in this area and give them some ideas. And so that's gone out to the Sense membership. I'm putting the finishing touches now on a, on a, a more general version. I'm going to put that out hopefully through the PFS, through some of the that's main good. financial news portals. I'm going to host it on our website as a free download. Again, there's no, there's no agenda to this. It's not to be monetized or anything like that. It's just yeah. something given free in the spirit of goodwill to the community, to the advice community to say, hey, if you want some help, if you're thinking about this, maybe this can, can help you if you're looking to build a, an advisor recruitment proposition. That's really interesting. I think that's a very, very noble thing to do as well, because as you say, it helps young people looking for jobs in a rewarding environment in an industry. And it helps firms who can bring in people and offer valuable lessons and learnings to those, those graduates. And of course, it helps the industry hugely because as we discussed it, it needs new blood as well. So I think that's a really noble thing to do. So that's really interesting. Well, hopefully, it's nice to, it's nice to collaborate with with industry peers i think uh, historically there's been a history of some people sitting in their little silos peering over the top suspiciously at, at other financial advisors and i like to think those days are largely gone it, we should be collaborating the good progressive firms advisors yeah. power planners business owners we should be sharing ideas and best practice and trying to help each other because the, the, we can see from the demographics, there will be no shortage of clients relative to advisors. <laughs> the way things are carrying on at the moment. So yeah, I'm happy to. That is true. Yeah. That is very true. Project that hasn't quite got off the ground yet, but I have a vision for setting up some sort of employability hub for young people in advice firms as well. Perhaps where advisor firms could post uh, job offers and job opportunities, and students or graduates could host or post some sort of profile uh, um, with perhaps a picture and a bit of explanation about them, perhaps a video recording or something like that. So a more three-dimensional... You can get a bit more of a... a, A bit more across of the character and the personality of someone. Yeah, could that be something that would work? A central repository, so advisory firms could could post up job opportunities and and candidates could be paired with them in an environment where it wouldn't be recruiting or recruiter fees or anything like that. I don't know. It's just an idea, but that's something that I'd like to interesting. Yeah. I think that's uh, a fascinating topic, James. And obviously it's something that has helped develop your business hugely and put you in a really strong position for the future of your business. And I think it's, it's a really important thing for the industry as well. So I hope that some people who have been listening today will take that on board and maybe see a few different angles or strategies that they can put in place uh, in their own business. Well, hopefully, I hope it's been of help to anyone that's listening that's thinking about this stuff. And I, I do love to collaborate. So if you do have questions or are thinking about this or fancy a chat or a cup of coffee or a beer, then feel free to reach out, get in touch, email me uh, and let's talk about it. Excellent. And where can people uh, get in touch with you, James, if they want to have a, a word? 
Uh, if you want to drop my email address into uh, perhaps into the, the comments after the podcast, it's james at weatherrules.co.uk. Excellent. I will do that. And hope everyone listening has learned something today and perhaps seen a different angle to growing their business. And of course, if you want to get in touch with James, you can find the contact details in the show notes, uh, which are attached to the podcast. So thanks once again, James. Appreciate your time today. Andrew, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening today. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please do share with your colleagues and rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening. If you have any feedback or any suggestions of what you'd like to hear on future episodes, please do get in touch. Thanks once again. Bye.